0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is waiting. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at
1: Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this one is me, because I've been thinking about Advent, which technically started this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's for the church at least, four solid weeks of waiting.
0: And for some, you can even make it six weeks. Six weeks? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll get into that in a second. But (laughs) the
1: question is really, why? Why would you celebrate a time of waiting? And why do we lean into this countdown aspect of it and turn it into its own
0: event? That's a great question. And I think part of it is that That's part of our faith. Part of our understanding of our faith is to be patient, to wait, to wonder, to not know when the next thing is going to happen. But it also echoes the waiting of Mary as she is waiting for her child to arrive. And it echoes the waiting of the people of Israel as they waited for their Messiah. It echoes the waiting of John as he looked for the person that he would point the way for. It's all of this kind of anticipation and longing for and hoping for and stepping into the things that we believe can happen but we do not yet experience.
1: I am listening to you list off all of these other situations of waiting, and I'm thinking back to what you said about you could make it six weeks. It seems Mm -hmm. arbitrary that it's four. What are you talking about with the six and why would you want to make it longer?
0: <laughs> I think that the six echoes the Lenten journey more. Sure. So there are some traditions and some folks right now that are kind of testing out a six week. Four weeks has been very traditional and very normal. And the idea of doing a six week Advent is really just to give it some more of that Lent parallel and to go deeper into the waiting metaphor and the stillness and the wondering that comes along with, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, these quieter, more still, colder months.
1: Do you worry about the commercialization that would inevitably follow something like that, making it longer?
0: We already have commercialization running rampant in the six weeks leading up to Christmas. (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) So, and I think it's amusing to see all the advent calendars that are out there. Just dozens of them from cheese and wine. Oh, we have a beer one. A beer one, you know, plenty of dice. Um, Dog toy advent calendars. Yarn. Mm -hmm. They're everywhere now. I'd say probably what, in the last five to eight years, they have just taken off. So there's something about... Counting down, there's something about a promise yet to come. There's something about anticipation that serves us as people, that serves us as community, whether it's a religious anticipation or whether it is something else. But being able to mark the time, again, I think part of that is for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere for whom this is winter. Something about marking this time and marking these days helps to keep you going through them.
1: What do you see in the church on the Sundays? Do you see a difference in the people from week to week? Do you see a building of anticipation, or do you just see people, deer in the headlights, trying to pack it all in?
0: (laughs) I think it's individual by individual. Okay. I will say that I think it is the exception to the rule that you have those who are able to sit and actually be still and engage the quiet of the season. I think most of us often feel like the deer in the headlight, Mm -hmm. kind of trying to keep it all together, trying to do all the things, trying to make sure we get the stuff done. And church employees are feeling that way in this season as well, because it's just a whole bunch of things that have to get done and trying to set things up for end of year and all the things. Mm -hmm. So it's certainly a lot. And when we can find the capacity to take the slow breath and take the moment of stillness and think about what it is that we are hopeful for, I mean, hopefully when we think about waiting for things in this season, we're thinking about things we're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. There's certainly plenty of reason to be anxiously waiting. There's, you know, anticipatory waiting and there's anxious waiting.
1: Yeah. I think we often mistake, at least I see it more in my daughter and younger people who are mistaking the anticipation aspect for just outright anxiety. Yeah.
0: Well, it's hard. And it's hard to discern the difference between those, especially when you're young, right? Because some of the chemicals and some of the emotions Mm -hmm. match up, right? The anticipation might spark adrenaline, which is the same chemical that gets sparked when you have anxiety. So your body is doing the same thing. Your heart rate is increasing, your blood is pumping faster, you're taking shallower breaths, all of those things your body needs help interpreting between fear and excitement. And to find ways to even say out loud, I am so excited for what is coming. So that your body can recalibrate that as excitement rather than fear.
1: Yeah, learning to take that into a positive realm instead of anxiety seeming more negative.
0: Yeah. And to find the ways to choose hope, like the interpretation of hope over the interpretation of fear. So, saying that I am waiting for Christmas Day and the presents under the tree. Mm-hmm. And your body, your heart rate might spike, and you could start to think of, well, no one's going to like the gifts that I got them and I didn't do enough and no one's going to write, you could go there. Or I can't wait to hear what people think of the gifts that I've created. Anything that can move it towards hope and choosing hope. We talked last year a lot about how hope is a choice and a skill. Mm -hmm. When we talked about the pageants of hope and we're doing the Christmas pageant of hope again this year, the video pageant again, Mm -hmm. And again, trying to reiterate those skills that provide hope. Anticipation and hope and waiting are all skills that we build over time, but we need to be intentional about it or else fear, anxiety, all those things are going to take over because wow, do fear and anxiety sell a whole bunch of tchotchkes? (laughs) Yes,
1: they do. (laughs)
0: Retail therapy is very real. Oh, it's so real. It is so, so real. I am ever grateful for websites that do not accept PayPal. So it (laughs) makes it harder to purchase as I'm laying in bed, going to sleep at night.
1: (laughs) So as you're going through the weeks of Advent, I know we've talked in the past about the John the Baptist readings Mm -hmm. not being the easiest to sort of preach on. Mm -hmm. How do you measure that? How do you lean into the hope? without having something like the gospel readings or whatever to help guide you through the season, especially knowing that you're going to have a lot of anxious, tired people in the pews?
0: For one, we aren't always using the lectionary texts this season. Okay. So for the first Sunday of Advent, we used the text that was left on our building doors. Sure. So we went with the Luke 15. And for the third Sunday of Advent. It's the children's Christmas pageant of hope. Nice. So we have the second and the fourth Sundays of Advent that will be actually lectionary based. And the fourth Sunday is always Mary and her story. So it's great fun to have her story be told. So really, we're only getting one Sunday of apocalyptic readings. And I think one thing about hope and waiting. When we take a look at apocalyptic literature, this writing that talks about the things that are coming that can make us frightened, what we forget to lift up about that is that it was written in order to give hope to people. Apocalyptic literature, such as Daniel and the book of Revelation, are scriptures that are written so that people can see bad things have happened, but good things are promised.
1: That is so not the spin that those books get.
0: Totally, because it's a lot easier to control people if they're afraid. (laughs) Yes. Right? So, and they're really hard to understand because it's very hard for us to choose hope in the midst of an unknown, right? We're in the midst of the week where the Omicron variant has been identified and named And so there's another spike of concern and another spike of fear that is this pandemic going to just keep continuing? When are we going to have an end to this fear among us? And it is hard to choose hope in the midst of that. But at the same time, if we can think of those who've survived these kinds of things before us, people who have the strength to have seen this kind of incredible pandemic or major illness and loss of life within their lifetime, to be able to hear their words and understand how they continued on and that life continued on, that there is hope, or to lean into our faith and say that death is not the end, that should we die from this, that what is promised to us is glorious and good. And that grief is hard here on earth and there is hope and promise on the other side. So there's ways to kind of lean into that, but then you have to be willing to tell the story that in Oregon, over 5,000 people have died of COVID in a year. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have to tell the hard part to find the way to the good part. So when it comes to waiting, when it comes to anticipation We can tell ourselves stories that will increase our fear, or we can tell ourselves stories of survivors to help us know we're not alone in it. We can tell ourselves stories that will give us hope and things that we can imagine happening someday. But the stories that we tell ourselves and each other and our children in times like this where we're in the now but not yet, in the in-between, we're not at the beginning of the pandemic, but we're not at the end. We're not living in the time of Jesus, but Jesus hasn't returned yet, right? The now, but not yet. Mm -hmm. These stories that we tell and how we choose to react to it will help us find a pathway and the path will be harder or the path will be easier. John calls us to make the pathways level (laughs) and straight in this season to find that way through what is hard and difficult and incredibly challenging. So I think the season of Advent and the waiting, it's not to minimize the challenge. It's not to make it seem like this is an easy thing to do, but to let it be all the things.
1: As you see 2021 compared to 2020. hmm Do you see hope and fear, pain, grief, and struggles, which are the four that you've used for the candles this year, how do you see those relating to each other?
0: I think that last year, although we were far into the pandemic from March to December.
1: There still wasn't a vaccine in sight for the most part. It was just
0: starting to come, right? Just starting to come. I think that we were also very much, you know, it was the first Christmas that we were going to be doing online. Mm -hmm. And we were so busy trying to make sure that everything was still a good Christmas, that we still were able to show that we had the tenacity to make a good holiday and a good Christmas, even in this challenging time. Mm -hmm. I think that this year, there's a little bit at least for me, I'll own it for me. There is less needing to prove that we can still do these things, and more wanting to recognize that this year and a half has been exhausting and world-changing. Mm-hmm. And that we can pretend everything is snowbells and twinkle lights, or we can own that these challenges are here, and there are still snowbells and twinkle lights. But it's trying to hold that both and in as best a way we can this year. It's hard. It's very hard. I have no idea if it's going
1: to work. No. What seems to be happening is people leaning into the snowballs and twinkle lights and forgetting about the waiting part. Forgetting about everything else and just doubling down on making it pretty.
0: And maybe that's what we do. And that's okay? And that's okay. Okay. My Christmas tree stayed up extra long last year Mm -hmm. and it went up real fast this year. And that's okay. Because when we need things to remind us of hope, right? My Christmas tree isn't just about being pretty. The ornaments tell stories of my past. They tell stories of people I'm connected to. They tell stories of grief and loss in people who are memorialized in an ornament they tell stories of absolute delight and joy in a glittery avocado right Mm -hmm. it tells an entire story in symbols and beauty and that's not a bad thing to sit in an evening in the dark in the beautiful quiet dark and to see symbols of some beautiful story and to wait with that and to wonder what comes next that to me, is the epitome of Advent. And yeah, it is totally twinkle lights.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm struggling these days with the need to find the still and the good and the beauty and the quiet and the need to provide myself self-care and be kind And not be so rigid about, you can't open this until this particular day, and this can't go up until this day, and this has to be opened on this point, and this comes this time. That struggle seems harder this year than it has been in the past, just because we seem to be denied what we truly want and have to live with what we're just going to get.
0: Yeah. And so maybe it's a year to break some rules. Oh, that's so hard. (laughs) Grace abounds.
1: Oh, (laughs) it needs to.
0: You have my permission to break rules this year.
1: (laughs) Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Which part of Advent do you like the best? Are you an early Advent where you're setting stuff up and putting out the lights and buying the gifts? Do you like the middle part where most of your work is done and you're just kind of hanging out and enjoying what we got going on? (laughs) (laughs) Or is it really the anticipation at the
0: very end, which is the most exciting part? I think my favorite part of Advent is exactly what I described. (laughs) Yeah. It's sitting at night. My spouse goes to bed earlier than I do. And my bird will already be in bed. And so I sit in the cooler living room in the dark with just the Christmas tree lights on and drink cozy tea or hot chocolate And just sit for 10 to 15 to 20 minutes in the quiet with the tree. And I do that from the day that the tree goes up until the day that the tree goes down. Is that a daily ritual? Most days at some point in time, I'll have some time to just sit and be still with the tree. And I think that that for me is what is kind of the glory of Advent, the gift of it. And making that quiet still time But the tree has always been really special to me. So that's from like before I was even baptized. The tree has always been a beautiful thing for me. So it's all been connected in. And I think for me, when things get to be fun and relaxing is Christmas Day when all my work is over. (laughs) Because there's a lot of work. And we've done a podcast before, like the in-between Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. services, that is particularly delightful as well, because everything is finally done and it's just waiting for those services to happen. But until then, there's bulletins to do and a newsletter to finish up and an end of year report to get going and the budget's got to get done. And there's always something. There's always something. There's always more to do. So it's lovely to just take those couple of minutes and sit and be still. That is a ritual
1: I am going to solidly try to adopt myself because you fool yourself into thinking that you're enjoying things when you're really not taking the five seconds to be mindful and intentional about doing it. Yeah. And you really can take two minutes Mm -hmm. to sit there and just marvel in the glory of the lights going on around you.
0: That's right. Beautiful idea. And I'm stealing it. Set a timer, like put on your phone two minutes and then build it to five minutes. It's not a skill that we have a ton of. So set yourself a timer and give yourself permission for just a few minutes to see the beautiful. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about waiting. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining along. I wish you a beautiful season of waiting. Would love to see pictures of your Christmas trees or the places where you find beauty in this season or the ways in which waiting can help you find hope in a time of challenge. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org or visit us on Facebook at The Church Basement. We would love to hear from you. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.